the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A hope-filled moment. Let's talk about the joy of the Lord. Can I tell you a secret King David discovered about the source of joy? In the Bible, he wrote of God, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Can you believe that? David identified the source of joy to be God's very presence and that he experienced God's presence in worship. David was a man's man, a national leader, and a skilled warrior with a heart after God. He also fronted a band, played the harp, and sang like there was no tomorrow. He worshiped God until his heart exploded with joy. Want this joy? This has been a hope-filled moment with Pastor Roger Thrower. For information on his music and ministry, call 304-657-4434 or visit rogerthrower.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, I'm Chuck Olmstead, and this is Heart of the City. And with me today is Brandon Rainwater, who's pastor of the Vine Ministries in Tukwila. Brandon, welcome this morning. Thank you so much, Chuck. Pleasure to be here. Well, we've known each other for a few years now. Quite a few. Yeah, and uh, had a chance to... Uh, to, to meet your father, Je- Pastor Jesse uh, Rainwater, and your mom, and, and kind of know a little bit about your family. And uh, uh, tell us, uh, how long have you been the senior pastor of the Vine Ministries? I've been the senior pastor for five years at the Vine Christian Ministries. We were in the Wallingford area and made a big move to Tequila, and so that was a big start of my early pastorship uh, to learn how to move a congregation, and it it was amazing because it brought me back to David and moving his father's sheep and and really being careful and mindful of of everybody that is with you. So it was an awesome experience, and I've learned a lot and still learning. Well, how long were were you in uh, in, uh, Wallingford then? How many years were you there? We were there for about eight years, Uh and prior to that, we were in Bellevue, so we have been We've hopped a few places and hopped water and across bridges, and, and God has moved us, and we feel really settled now in Tequila, and we know that even if we do move again, we'll expand from there rather than just move from there. Uh-huh. Well, I've been to that building in Tukwila, and it's it's kind of an interesting location because you're right right on your way off from I-5 on up to the— uh, to the airport, to SeaTac Airport. so All roads lead to the Vine now, so <laughs> I-5 and 405 cross right where we are, so it's a wonderful location. Well, I, I know it's a great church, and I've been to services there, and and just appreciate what the Lord's doing there. And, and uh, we're going to talk uh, later on in the program about a special guest that you're having uh, come to, uh, to the Vine uh, Ministries on June 26th, Dr. Carolyn Leaf. But before we talk about that, I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about your background. I like to do that with pastors because oftentimes 
they hear you on maybe uh, our listeners hear you on Sunday mornings at eight o'clock on KGNW. You have a program called Fruit of the Vine, and so they they hear you preach, but they may not know your your full background. And awesome, and, I, I'd be happy to. Yeah, well. Uh, your your father obviously is a pastor, and so uh, you grew did you grew up in a Christian home. Well, let me start before he was a pastor, okay. you know, and I think that to me is is the greatest part about what God has done for not only our family but just in general. You look through the history of of the church history, and you go in the Bible, and you find where somebody comes into something, and sometimes they don't feel qualified. And God has a way of qualifying us. He uses his own measure for qualification, and it's not always what we would look at. So I remember growing up, and we always believed in Jesus Christ. We always believed that we were saved, and I don't remember when I ever thought I wasn't. But we didn't attend church. We didn't really do anything. But if you ask me if I was a Christian, absolutely. And I remember uh, growing up, I was the youngest of four kids, and we had horses and and we had to work together and, and do farm work, and it was a responsibility. So we were a very close-knit family. But I remember seeing my dad go through things, and I could see just in, in his own internal struggle of, of what he was really about and what was important to him. And uh, I didn't understand as a kid exactly what he was going through. But I remember when he truly, for himself, knew that he got saved and that he had been born again, even though he had confessed it or believed it, but it was more of his parents' religion than it was his own. And I remember for himself, and so he was uh, you know, around 35 at that time, and so I got to see him begin to speak this thing and to, to confess this thing, and I remember the thing that really hit my heart is I saw he begin to love people in a new way. Hmm. And I, and I watched a transformation in him. And that is what really helped me to go further and not just to have a religion, but to seek what he had. Because I recognized there was something new. And that was a drive, I believe, for our whole family. So there was no t- real church relationship or that sort of thing at that time? Were you going to church? Or? At that time, it, you know, we, would, we were probably CEOs. We would go for Christmas, Easter, and other special occasions. <laughs> uh, so that was about it. But, you know, as far as we knew, that was just kind of the way it was. But we were still, for sure, Christians in our heart, we thought. Yeah. Um, and when my dad began to really seek after God and we, we saw that, it didn't immediately make everything better in the, in the home. As a matter of fact, it seemed like we went through a lot of new challenges. But looking back, I can see how God was bringing us to a place of trust to really get to the point where you learned that you weren't trusting in a religion, but you were trusting in a God who is able to do exceeding above and beyond what you ask or think. It's interesting that the relationship that your father had with the Lord before and his relationship with the church um, then began to change, right? I mean, uh, sure. uh, when, when he made a serious commitment to, to Jesus, there was a, a, a change in his relationship with other believers then. Absolutely. Immediately you begin to hook up. And, you know, the, the word church itself comes from two words that, that would suggest to be called out of and gathered in together into. So it's being called out of something, of your old things, of the old thoughts, of your old ways of, of darkness, and to be gathered together in. And so he began to gather together in and have relationship with others of like-minded faith. And he had a mentor, a, a bishop, Bishop Swain, who was a, a, an old gentleman that had met him at his workplace. And he told him early on, he said, you know, sir, uh, uh, I don't know if you have a ministry mind, but God is showing me that you're a minister. 
Hmm. And he said, listen, I have all kind of bad habits. I'm afraid of dead people. He began to tell him I would never be able to do a funeral. I can't be a minister. And he just began to share the love of God and open up scripture with them on their lunch break. And so that became his mentor and his pastor. And he learned so much. And I remember going to just a little home church to uh, all the way from Enumclaw, where we were living. We would drive into Seattle to go to Bishop Swain's church, which was just a little home church every Sunday. And that was the start of us really getting to the place where, hey, open up the Bible and realize it's not something to be you know a dusty thing on the shelf up there, but this is the living word. And wow, my dad fell in love with the word of God. Hmm. So, and how old were you at that time? I was about... 10, 10, 11 at that time. Mm -hmm. So formative years for you. Oh, really shaping me. And uh, when I got 12, that's when for me, I I was baptized in the name of Jesus. I received the Holy Spirit at age 12. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it became, I saw my dad go that way, and now I wanted it. My brothers, uh, my sister, the whole family was following after my father as he followed Christ. Yeah. So during that time, then uh, he was working uh, in another vocation. So he was when, a truck driver. He, was he really truck driver downtown the waterfront? And uh-huh. that's what he did. So uh, when did he uh, did he then start uh, preaching uh, at different churches uh, after a while, or did he uh, dive full into full time ministry, or how did that happen? So he continued to drive trucks, and he continued to do ministry. So he was doing both at the same time. But the ministry, again, at this time, he's getting getting tutored and and brought up, Mm -hmm. and he would preach at that home church once in a while, and uh, he would want to do Bible studies. But one of the things that we recognized about him, when he came home, he dove into the Word where he would just disappear in his room after, after work and be up. You would hear radio playing where he'd have preaching on. He would have worship music on. And for about 10 years... He really just jumped into the Word. Wow. Uh, And uh, I I tell you, it's important now, I think, so often when we feel the call of ministry, it's it's one thing to feel the call, and it's another thing, uh, as Paul told Timothy, hey, listen, you need to rightfully divide this Word. Make sure that you're not just a a ministry and inspiration, but in the Word of God. And so he really went through training, and I would say about 10 years of just dedication to the Word. So then for you, you're, you, you watch your father as he's uh, going through this, and you're, you're becoming a teenager. Uh, I'm sure going through some of the angst of, of, that most teenagers go through. What was your life like there in, in Enumclaw in those teenage years? Enumclaw is a great place to raise family. It's very community-driven, and they support their sports teams. And I was very involved in sports, so I always felt like I was right in the middle of the community because of sports, had great friends. Um, I felt as I was going through junior high, high school, I felt like an angel in the sense of I was really naturally just felt like I could do, I wanted to do good. I, I cared about people and, and I was known for that. I was known as a, a kind person. I was known to be a good student. I was known to be respectful to people's parents or just to people in general. But when I got 18 and I graduated, I remember making a conscious decision and I remember even talking to God about it that Lord, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, just test out the waters a little bit. You know I love you. Don't let me die during this time period. But I'm going to kind of, I just kind of want to see what's out there so that I know for myself. And then I, and I tell you, I went to the U, the University of Washington right after I, I graduated high school. And, you know, my new freedom away from my parents could do whatever I want. Nobody knew me, so I didn't have to have an image. or, mm-hmm. or and, and I just said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to experiment a little bit. 
And I'll tell you, the next six years of my life, I got to the point where I didn't think I could ever get back to God. I got to the point where I didn't recognize myself. My friends probably didn't recognize me. Just I was focused on other things. And, um, you know, I could still show up on the scene and put on the face. Right. But within my own heart, I felt so far away from where I was and where I wanted to be. And I got to the point where I began to believe the lie. I can't get back. Hmm. And your parents during that time, did they recognize that? Did they see it? You know, absolutely they saw it. Sure. However, I was off campus, so right. to speak. So I, <laughs> I uh, went to the University of Washington. Then I transferred to Butte, Montana and played basketball. I was an ore digger, the Montana Tech ore digger. So wow. I played basketball in Montana. Uh, and then from Montana, um, I moved and I ended up going to Portland, Oregon. I was going to school in Portland for a while. So I was you know, I was a traveling man, uh-huh. and I think I did that on purpose maybe, you know, uh, hoping to find myself and at the same time hide away. Yeah. Well, those uh, years in the wilderness uh, can be tough. So what brought you back? What what then convinced you that you could even seek God and that he would listen to you? It was in Portland, Oregon. I was in my own little—I had a little one-bedroom apartment uh, right on campus there. Um, Warner Pacific uh, Christian College. I was still trying to stay close, but be able to be on the outskirt. And I remember just crying out to God. And I remember I was in the apartment by myself, and I began to truly out loud call on God and say, Lord, it's over. I've messed it all up. And I just started crying to God, and I was complaining, and I was telling him how all my worst dreams have come true. And I I, I told him, I know it's not your fault, but it's over. I've missed it. I've messed up my whole life now. And I remember God speaking to me. I didn't hear it out loud, but I heard it within myself so loud that I, I responded out loud to him. And he said, do you trust me? And I'm, I'm in my apartment crying and, and screaming out loud. You would have thought something was major wrong if you were walking by that day. But uh, I responded to God, yes, I trust you, but I trusted this wouldn't happen. I trusted. It's too late for trust in the sense of I trust you, but... It's beyond trust right now because I've already messed up. It's already, you know, set up of how it's affecting me. I'm already like this. I've already become this person. And then God said again, do you trust me? And I went right back into it just like Elijah did in that cave. Why are you here, Elijah? Because this is the situation. And I went right back to the situation. Yes, I trust you, but. And I went through and I told him again. And then the third time he said, do you trust me? And so I said, yes, I trust you. And I stopped waiting for him to, okay, now give me some instruction, give me something. And I didn't hear anything else. And I started laughing while I was crying. That's it? That's all you're going to give me? Do I trust you? And so I started, I dried my tears and I said, okay, Lord, I trust you. And it wasn't within a, a week later that the dean of the school called me in. And I'm thinking, okay, the dean's calling me in because I'm in trouble. And he said, Brandon, there's a program that I think uh, we want you to represent Warner Pacific College for. It's a the Christian coalition of colleges in, around the nation here is picking 20 people to go on a Middle East studies program, and it's stationed and headquartered in Cairo, Egypt. Would you be interested in going? And I knew that God just told me, this is what I want you to trust me with, go. And so I signed up, and I, was, I couldn't believe they picked me to go. And so the next uh, semester of school, when it started, that's where I'd be going. So I packed everything up, you know, kissed the family goodbye, and I was in Cairo, Egypt, looking, where am I? <laughs> and that is the place that God really began to speak to me. He began to show me that through my whole past, he had been with me even when I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. He had been with my family, and that he's working a plan. And he showed me how my life had got so loud where I couldn't hear him. 
And so the first thing I really felt God spoke to me when I got to Cairo, Egypt, is I brought you here to have a conversation with you. Hmm. And it's amazing he had to bring me to a city of 25 million people where it's so loud. They, they honk their horns at all times for no reason. I still haven't figured out why they honk. But there's so much noise, but it was the quietest place for me to hear God, away from my friends, away from my circumstances, a place where I don't speak the language, and God begins to really speak clearly to me. We're talking with uh, Pastor Brandon Rainwater, the uh, past senior pastor of the Vine Christian Ministries in Tukwila. One of the things is you're sharing your testimony, and just speak to speak a little bit more about this, is how the enemy, Satan, tries to convince us that there is no hope. That, you know, I, I hear that theme in, in what you were saying, that he somehow convinces people that they cannot change, and there is no hope that they can change. But there is, isn't there? Well, he's a master of getting you to look at yourself. And, you know, in our faith and our salvation comes from Abraham. And he couldn't look at his 99-year-old body to be able to receive what God had for him. He had to not look at himself and look to God for the promise that he was going to be able to do and God was going to work through him to accomplish a great nation. And, and so there's something that you have to take your eyes off yourself and put your eyes on him to really have hope. And the enemy, his job, he causes us to look at ourselves. He's the accuser of the brethren. He wants you to look at yourself and realize you've come up short. And you know what? You'll have to start agreeing with him. I have come up short. I, I, I didn't do that right. You know, I did make this mistake. But if our, if our hope is in ourselves, then Christ never needed to come. Yeah. But he is the light of the world, and anybody that finds him finds true hope. Amen. So Cairo, Egypt, and we've got about uh, 10 minutes, eight minutes here left. Uh, you're in Cairo, Egypt. Where does the Lord then take you next? So from Cairo, we did a Middle East studies tour. We went through Egypt and Syria and Turkey. I went. I was in Jordan, uh, and God brings me back. And when he brought me back, he said, I don't want you to go back trying to tell everybody what you learned. I want you to show them what you learned. And one of the things while I was there, part of my disillusion within myself was I had messed up that I'd probably never get married now. I wanted a family, but it was like, I messed it up. I don't deserve one. Mm -hmm. And so God showed me, oh, you have a family. You're going to have children. You're going to have a wife. And so he told me not to go back and look for a wife, but to go back and prepare for a wife. You're going to need to get a job. You're going to need to have a place. If you're believing for these things, you know— you need those things to be setting up if you really believe that. And so when I went home, uh, the first thing he, uh, that I did is he, he really showed me who my dad was and how I wasn't helping him and how he had been called out. And I just began to see my dad for who God made him to be. And so when I went home, I said, Dad, I want you to know I see you. I recognize God in your life. I see how he has done a transformation in your life. I respect you. And whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. That was my start of returning uh, back home. Hmm. And what did your father say? He said, well, son, we need someone to clean those toilets and to make sure the church is set up and to you know, open and close and do whatever needs to be done around the church. And so I found great joy in being like <laughs> responsible. If I don't open the door, they can't get in. And, and mm -hmm. if, if I don't clean it, it's not clean. And so you just begin to get eyes for the church, and you don't look that someone else is going to do it. Mm -hmm. You just, whatever the need is, you see a need, you feel a need. And I, it really helped me. And I truly found joy in doing the smallest things uh, and, and knowing not only did it make my natural father happy, but, man, 
I would have great conversation with the Lord around the toilet bowl or around the, the you know, mowing the yard or whatever right. it was around the church. I just loved working around the church. Right. So then eventually some girl must have walked into your life. Well, what ended up happening as far as uh, meeting my wife from church, somebody that went to our church had a friend, you know, and said, <laughs> hey, I want you to, and we didn't know it, but she was trying to get us to meet here. Uh-huh. And uh, my wife and I meet through friends from church and she ends up starting to come to our church, and she had visited. It was a little different for her. She grew up Lutheran. We're non-denominational, very charismatic. And uh, so she came in, and uh, I could see that she truly loved the Lord. I could see that she was a worshiper, but yet she still had all these things, just like I did. There's still a lot more growth to happen. Mm -hmm. And when we began to start dating, we had never dated right before. Neither of us had been in a relationship in our past that was lined up with the Word of God. And so we didn't know how to date. Mm. And so we, we had to try to learn how to date. And I truly sometimes would ask God, like, do I hold her hand? Do I not hold her hand? Did, did I go too far? Did I do this? Should I do? And I remember the more that you seek after God, the more he'll show you. Mm-hmm. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And uh, for my wife and I, uh, as we begin to date and once I asked her to marry, which was, was on uh, April Fool's Day, because it was the only day I knew she wouldn't know I was going to ask her. She was <laughs> very CSI. You know, yeah, she's, uh-huh. she's a detective. And right. so I wanted to do it on a day she wouldn't know. So when I asked her, and uh, we have a, a, a nine-year-old daughter from the get-go, so she was a single mom. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling Devin, our daughter, you know, that we were engaged. We got married or we're going to get married. And she asked me, she said, does this mean I can start calling you dad? Wow. And it was just one of those confirmations in my spirit, my heart, that uh, this was what God was telling me way back in Egypt. Yeah, yeah. So now four children? Four children, three, eight, ten, and 22 who has been married for a year. Wow. So we have the whole gamut, you know, yeah. from... She's not in diapers anymore, but almost diapers to college, you know, right. and so it's just, uh, right. we love it. We're, well, we're... a few more years and you may be grandpa, huh? I am ready. <laughs> I am ready. I'm ready to have kids that I can send home, you know? Yeah. I, I'm excited about that. Well, uh, we've been talking with uh, Pastor Brandon Rainwater, the Vine Christian Ministries, uh, 15439 53rd Avenue South in Tukwila. If you want to get more information, you can go to thevineministries.org, and uh, that's uh, www.thevineministries.org to get more information. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Praise the Lord. been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmstead at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com. Welcome to Lighten Up, brought to you by Compassion International, releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. Lighten Up is a moment to brighten your day and encourage your walk with Jesus. Now, here's author, speaker, and comedian Ken Davis sharing a very unique approach to handling telephone sales. This is Ken Davis. I got another unsolicited sales call from a vinyl siding company last night. I live in a brick house. What would it cost to tear out those bricks and replace them with vinyl siding? 
In the middle of the sales spiel, I broke into tears and said, How could you be so insensitive? My house burned down last night. The man apologized and hung up. (laughs) Do they ever think this through? If my house burned down, how am I talking to them on the phone? Today, my friend Mikey sent me some other possible responses to unwanted sales calls. You can always say, I'm sorry, but I'm really busy right now. Give me your home number, and I'll call you back around dinner time. (laughs) In the middle of the caller's memorized sales pitch, interrupt with, Hey, what causes a hiccup? Or you can interrupt and say, Hey, I'm trying to rob a house here. I think the owner's just got home. Can you hold? (laughs) Uh... Or use your touch-tone phone to annoy the caller by playing Mary Had a Little Lamb. Three, two, one, two, three, 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 two, 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 three, nine, nine. See? It works. I think it's only fair that if you get an unsolicited phone call, you deserve a chance to give an unsolicited witness. Tell them the good news of Christ. That gives you both a chance to lighten up and live. This has been Lighten Up, brought to you by Compassion International. Please take a moment to visit us at Compassion.com, and thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.